This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to the lead. I'm Jake Tapper, and we begin today with breaking news. President Trump, ahead of the historic impeachment vote in the House tomorrow, has sent a stunning and scathing stream of consciousness letter to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The letter appears to be something of a dictated 2,700-word rant, almost as if it's 60 angry tweets cobbled together and put on White House stationery, complete with the now familiar all caps, multiple exclamation points, accusations, projections, falsehoods, insults, grievances, about 40 references to himself, I, me, my, and four to the American people. A letter that President Trump says he wrote for the, quote, purpose of history. The letter accuses Democrats of violating their oaths of office and cheapening impeachment, trying to steal the 2020 election and, quote, declaring open war on American democracy by pursuing impeachment. President Trump calls the abuse of Congress article of impeachment a, quote, I'm sorry, the abuse of power article of impeachment a completely disingenuous, meritless and baseless invention of Pelosi's imagination. And in terms of the case for obstruction of Congress, quote, preposterous and dangerous. The president misrepresenting a number of quotes from Speaker Pelosi and Joe Biden, also accusing Pelosi of either lying when Pelosi says that she prays for him or that she prays for him, quote, in a negative sense. And of course, the president also claims that his phone call with the Ukrainian president was perfect when we know if his own administration officials had shared that view, the president would not be right now on the brink of only the third impeachment of a U.S. president in the history of this republic. CNN's Caitlin Collins joins me now live from the White House. And Caitlin, it does not appear as though this letter went through much in terms of editing. No, a lot of it mirrors the own punctuation you see the president use on his Twitter feed, random capitalization, and a lot of it reads like the president himself dictated this letter. This letter that, Jake, the White House sent out while the president was in the Oval Office with the leader of Guatemala. And we've seen the president over the last several weeks, really ever since September, attack this impeachment inquiry. But what you're reading here in these six pages is essentially a summary of all of his objections. To impeach the president of the United States for that is a disgrace and it's a a mark in our country. On the eve of a House vote to impeach him, President Trump fired off a missive to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, accusing her of violating her oath of office and cheapening the importance of the very ugly word impeachment. Writing in a six-page letter that read like his Twitter feed, the president claimed you are declaring open war on American democracy. The president accusing Pelosi of offending Americans of faith by saying she prays for him. Quote, when you know this statement is not true, unless it is meant in a negative sense. I still pray for the president. In his crusade against the two articles of impeachment printed on White House letterhead, the president claimed more due process was afforded to those accused in the Salem witch trials. The president ending his letter by telling Pelosi that the American people will not soon forgive your perversion of justice and abuse of power. As House Democrats head toward the impeachment vote, the president told reporters today he hasn't been paying attention, but made no mention of his scathing letter. I'm not watching. I haven't. I've not seen it. Look, it's a hoax. The whole impeachment thing is a hoax. And he made clear he takes no responsibility for potentially being the third president in U.S. history to be impeached. No, I don't take any uh, zero, uh, to put it mildly. Uh, They took a perfect phone call that I had with the president of Ukraine. 
An absolutely perfect call. You know it. They all know it. Uh, nothing was said wrong in that call. Now, Jake, despite this letter from the president, that vote is still going to happen tomorrow. And even he seems to hint in here at the end that he doesn't think this letter is going to change the outcome of that vote. But he says, I write this letter to you for the purpose of history and to put my thoughts on a permanent and indelible record. All right, Caitlin Collins, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, Let's chew over all this and let's start with uh, CNN is using the term scorching or scathing to describe the letter. It really there's so many adjectives that could be used. I just would like to go around and just like get, how would you summarize the letter? What's the word you would use? Typical. Typical. Alarming. Alarming. Exhaustive. Exhaustive. <laughs> Trump. Trump. It is very Trump. I would just uh, like to say we did a lightning round and we actually answered yeah. with one word. Yeah, I know. It's really good. Um, so Speaker Pelosi has said that she prays for the president on the first page. The uh, president says that he doesn't believe her. She's offending people of faith. Uh, and uh, it's a terrible thing you're doing, but you'll have to live with it. Not I. Uh, Mary Catherine, your, your, your take. Not I, exclamation point. Um, <laughs> no, this is... Uh, this there are eight is, exclamation points, by the way, as, in this letter. Yeah, as Nia noted, it's a very typical Trump uh, letter. It's very, it's quite long. Um, there are some things that are true in it, and I'll point some of those out just because, for the sake of Why not? argument. Sure. Um, but the idea that people in the committees have long said impeachment should be bipartisan, and this is likely not to be, I think is a point worth making, and uh, one that's on his side of this argument. But uh, a lot of it is pretty, <clears throat> pretty exhausting. It, exhausting, in addition to exhaustive. Exhaustive. Um, she, she, uh, he says, quote, you're breaking your allegiance to the Constitution, and you are declaring open war on American democracy. I mean, of course, impeachment is in the Constitution. Right. I think what Trump understands is that this impeachment process is essentially boiling down to a battle between a court of public opinion and the court of law. And you've seen Republicans and Democrats take two different sides of that. Everything else about this letter is in line with Trump with what Trump tends to do when he's in a time of crisis, which is impugn his opponents, muddy the waters, rebuke the facts and lash out. This letter also comes at a time when I think the president's realizing that he's not going to get what he wants when it comes to a Senate impeachment trial. He's not going to get that exoneration. He's not going to get that theatrics that he he loves to relish in. And so I think we're going to be hearing a lot more directly from him. We do know that this is a president who thinks he's his own best spokesperson. Yeah, that was my sense of it. You know, like at this point, it seems like Mitch McConnell, they're going to have a trial, probably not a lot of witnesses. You saw Schumer uh, and McConnell uh, debating that today. So it's like, okay, President Trump, why don't we let you put all of your feelings, uh, almost like a diary entry. Uh, Yeah, your burn book uh, in as many words as possible. You sit here and you dictate it, you know, get your exclamation points out, uh, burn Nancy Pelosi uh, as much as you can. And that was what was so striking to me about this. Like, he really can't stand A, being impeached, even as he says, oh, this is helping me. Uh, He hates this, right? And he also uh, can't stand Nancy Pelosi, talking about her uh, not believing that she's actually praying for him, talking about this idea that she is going about this in a solemn way. And in here, he's like, you know, essentially, I perhaps most insulting of all is your false display of solemnity uh, and and basically says that, you know, that you hate me, uh, Nancy Pelosi. She says, uh, he says uh, of, of how she feels about him. And we, of course, saw uh, what she felt about the use of the word hatred uh, there. And one of the things that says, uh, that he says, uh, President um, says that this is all about Democrats not able to get over his win in 2016. Mm. About Pelosi, he says, you view democracy as your enemy. Yep. Uh, and then, honestly, this is almost like a letter that Kim Jong-un wrote. Like, I mean, in terms yeah, of yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. like the hyperbole. Yes, and the like florid Really, nature. really strong. A lot of good adjectives. Um, Jumbled. And then, quote, you apparently have so little respect for the American people that you expect them to believe that you are approaching the impeachment somberly, reservedly, and reluctantly. No intelligent person believes 
what you are saying, I, you know, that's not accurate. No, actually, I think that Speaker Pelosi, whether you like her or not, uh, has done an excellent job of keeping it somber and serious and avoiding a circus. And if you watch what uh, Senator Schumer has been doing over the last two days, uh, one he's made for this moment because he loves a good press conference, but um, he's trying to do the same thing. You know, I don't think he is under the illusion that 67 senators are going to vote to convict the president, but he wants to complete the process in the Senate with the perception in the public that he handled it very soberly and seriously. And, and I think he's, he's trying to do that. I will point out there was one line, it was exhausting and it was also <laughs> predictable, but there was line that we've seen of the same message from a number of Republicans, which is the last line where he mm. says, uh, 100 years from now, when people look back at this affair, I want them to understand it and learn from it so that it can never happen to another president again. And we've seen a number of Republicans suggest that this is lowering the bar for the future, that impeachment is gonna happen to everybody. That is ludicrous. I hope Democrats go out there and say, if a Democratic president does this in the future, that president should be impeached. Um, because that is a line that yeah. we're seeing happen over and over again. That's the president already trying to edit his obit, edit the history yeah. books himself yeah. by impugning this whole process. Of course, it's the, the third impeachment of a president in my lifetime. I mean, like, it's not like it never happens. Yeah. It's, it's, it happens uh, when presidents cross a line. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's also worth pointing out that we may be accelerating that process right now. Well, that's roughly every 20 yeah. years. I, I will say, though, if a future president, if, if it becomes standard that a president of the United States is going to uh, ask a foreign adversary for dirt or a foreign ally for dirt on their political opponent, then, you know, now we're setting the bar that that's OK. And I think a Democratic president should be impeached if they do that in the future. Well, I think we are setting that bar. I mean, yeah, I think that's, I, exactly I think that's uh, what that's certainly what uh, Democrats want to do and say that this is not what American presidents uh, should do. And if they do it, they will at least face an impeachment in the House yeah. and scrutiny uh, in the Senate as well. All right, everyone stick around. we got a lot more to talk about this hour. Before that letter was sent out, the big story came out of this small committee room in the House. The debate before tomorrow's big impeachment debate next. Plus, the chief juror. In a Senate impeachment trial, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, with an admission that you would never hear in any actual courtroom. What is it? Stay with us. In just about 24 hours, President Trump will face an impeachment vote in the House of Representatives. And today, the House Rules Committee is setting the stage for those historic proceedings, while Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is also preparing for the Senate's expected trial, shooting down a Democratic request for witnesses, but as CNN's Alex Marquardt now reports for us, Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is planning to force a vote and put every senator on the record. This is a day where we're going to disagree and disagree very strongly. Partisan divide on full display on the eve of just the third vote in history to impeach a president. The ground rules being set by a House panel for tomorrow's final vote. Now it's up to us to decide whether the United States is still a nation where no one is above the law. Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin, representing the House Judiciary Majority, arguing that the president has been unrepentant. We believe this conduct is impeachable and should never take place again under our constitutional system. He believes his conduct is perfect, and we know, therefore, that it will take place again and again. While House Judiciary Republicans, represented by ranking member Doug Collins, held the line for the president. The clear and present danger right now in this room is the pattern of attack and abuse of rules and, and decisions to get at this president. A new CNN average of recent polls shows that Americans are split on impeaching and removing the president. By a narrow margin, more oppose it. 
All of this setting the scene for the Senate trial to come, with leadership contentiously disagreeing today on the Senate floor over what the trial should look like. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell shooting down the Democrats' proposal, which called for more high-profile Trump administration witnesses. If House Democrats' case is this deficient, this thin, the answer is not for the judge and jury to cure it over here in the Senate. The answer is the House should not impeach on this basis in the first place. Minority Leader Chuck Schumer had requested subpoenas for, among others, Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney and the former National Security Advisor John Bolton. What is Leader McConnell afraid of? What is President Trump afraid of? The truth? But the American people want the truth. For Schumer to win this argument, he needs four Republican senators to vote with Democrats. But so far, the eight moderate Republicans in Schumer's sights are showing little signs of defecting. I'm going to be talking to colleagues, listening to the leadership um, and giving it a great deal of thought. So Schumer and McConnell are no closer to agreeing how this historic trial will look when it's expected to start in just a few weeks. Now, after speaking on the Senate floor today, Schumer said that McConnell is using the Senate to participate in what he called a cover up. While McConnell told reporters that because this is a political process, he does not intend, Jake, to be an impartial juror at all. All right, Alex Marquardt, thanks so much. And let's listen to to that sound from McConnell uh, saying he's not going to be an impartial juror. I'm not an impartial juror. This is a political process. I would anticipate we will have a largely partisan outcome in the Senate. I would ask every one of our Republican colleagues, do you want someone who proudly says they are not impartial to be on a jury judging high crimes and misdemeanors, serious charges against the president of the United States? And the Senate likes to think of itself as as more of a a distinguished, bipartisan place of comedy uh, where people can get along and come to an agreement. But this sounds more like the House, to be frank. Yeah, and McConnell is facing a lot of pressure from the White House, although it does seem that they've sort of succumbed to this idea that McConnell might know what he's doing here. At the end of the day, McConnell does need to protect his majority, and that appears to be the calculus. I interviewed um, Senator Mike Braun this morning from Indiana, who's pretty conservative, and even he said that you know, in line with what McConnell has said about mutually assured destruction, that it's probably best just to get this done with quickly and that he's unlikely to change his mind. And he doesn't think that any new witnesses would even bring any new information and that most senators have been listening. They listened to four weeks of witnesses and testimony in the House and that there's, you know, everyone's heard what they need to hear. Well, there are a number of key witnesses we have not heard from uh, that the Democrats want, including acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney of the White House, uh, former National Security Advisor John Bolton, a number of other officials. Is it going to be hurtful to Senator Susan Collins of Maine, the Republican up for re-election, Senator Cory Gardner of Colorado up for re-election, for Democrats to say they voted against even calling witnesses? Possibly. And I think if you're any of those uh, senators, and really just a handful of the ones uh, you, you, you picked out there, uh, you're a little worried about that, particularly your Susan Collins, who is probably going to face a pretty uh, stiff challenge there uh, from a Democrat uh, in her home state. But I think most of these senators, if not all, right, uh, have made up their minds about this. They're going to play coy a bit. And you hear uh, Mitt Romney saying that he's going to talk to his colleagues. And I'm sure Collins will do what Susan Collins uh, does, which will you know, be sort of play this uh, will she or won't she until the very end. 
and uh, and end up probably voting uh, with this president. But like most Americans uh, who have made up their minds, I think these senators have, have also uh, made up their minds, and they'll have to figure out how to run in some of these states on the Senate side. Uh, if you're if you're Susan Collins, you're essentially going to be a full-on Trumper, right? If you vote uh, to not impeach and to not call witnesses, and at least uh, seem like you're going about this in in, in not mm-hmm. a completely partisan way. Mary Catherine, take a listen to Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer uh, on the floor today. Senators who oppose this plan will have to explain why less evidence is better than more evidence. The American people understand if you're trying to conceal evidence and block testimony, it's probably not because the evidence is going to help your case. It's because you're trying to cover something up. I think that he thinks that that might actually be more devastating to Susan Collins and and to Cory Gardner than them voting not to remove the president from office. Like the idea that that might be reasonable. You don't think that you should remove a president from office, but you're not even going to let witnesses come forward. I'm not sure he's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's the Graham uh, position, which is we ain't even going to gavel this thing in. It's already over. Or the Schumer position. And McConnell's basically taking a Goldilocks position. I think he probably knows the temperature of his caucus and what they are willing to do. I think it's unlikely that the Senate subpoenas a Bolton when the House did not do so. Um, When Democrats are, they're not willing to go through the process of the judiciary dealing with these questions of what, of who can come and testify. Um, And then the other question is, how much appetite do voters actually have for this in a place like Colorado or in Maine? I think that's an open question. And I think you have seen independent voters who are the important skeptical sliver here not be moved by the House uh, hearings. And that's an important part of this, because I think part of the obligation when you're using such a potent tool as impeachment is to convince people who were not convinced when you started. And they haven't gotten there. In fact, in the latest CNN poll, there's some slippage uh, Mm -hmm. uh, in favor of not removing the president, not impeaching him, uh, and against impeaching. In the CNN poll of polls, uh, which is a survey of Mm -hmm. all the different polls, it's 46 percent say the president should be impeached and removed from office. 49 percent say no. And then in that CNN poll... Democrats went down from like in the 90s to like 77 percent. It's still a lot of support. That's true. But my bet is it's not because Democrats are less inclined to remove the president from office. It's that they're worried that this could make it easier for him to get Mm reelected. I don't think we know that from the data, but that's that's my best guess. I do think what Senator Schumer is looking at is the fact that 70 percent in a recent poll of the American public thinks that people should testify. And he is uh, viewing this as an opportunity, given the cover up of this um, by members of Congress could not play well in their in their states. All right, everyone stick around. We've got more to talk about. The president's letter is now making waves on Capitol Hill. Up next reaction from a member of the House, a member of the two committees involved in the impeachment inquiry. Stay with us. And we're back with the politics lead. Thanks, but no thanks. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell rejecting the Democratic request for key Trump administration officials to appear at an impeachment trial in the Senate against President Trump in January. Tomorrow, the full House of Representatives will vote likely to impeach President Trump. Joining me now is Democratic Congresswoman Jackie Speer, who serves on the House Intelligence and House Oversight Committees. Uh, Congresswoman, thanks for for joining us. I want to get your reaction to uh, the letter President Trump just sent to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi later this afternoon. It's six pages long, so I won't read the whole thing. But in one part, it says, quote, you have spent three straight years attempting to overturn the will of the American people and nullify their votes. You view democracy as your enemy, unquote. Your reaction. Well, the letter is more of a midnight rant by the president, and regrettably, uh, it's filled with lies, which he 
often uses to promote a particular perspective that he wants to show. Uh, the fact of the matter is that that telephone call with President Zelensky was not perfect. Um, it was filled with references to um, meet with Rudy Giuliani, my attorney. That has nothing to do with the American people. It has everything to do with his re-election bid and wanting a foreign country to be engaged in his efforts to undermine one of his opponents. One thing that is true in the letter is it does point out that a number of Democratic leaders in the House said that if an impeachment ever were to happen, it would need to be bipartisan. And it does not appear as though this impeachment will be bipartisan in in any way. Uh, Your response to that? So my response to that is that we have an obligation. Um, And this is nothing to do with Democrats and Republicans anymore. This has to do with what our founding fathers uh, decided would be grounds for impeachment, a treason, bribery, or high crime and misdemeanor. Bribery is written all over the transcript or the summary of that July 25th phone call. And the president has to be reined in. He cannot continue to abuse the power and office of the presidency as he has been wont to do. And so it's our responsibility at this point um, to take action to impeach him. And I think that there's going to be a very powerful message that will be expressed to him tomorrow. He can have his rant today. He's going to hear from those who represent the American people tomorrow. Well, Congresswoman, you say that bribery is written all over the the rough transcript of that call with President Zelensky on July 25th. Uh, But it's not the word is not written all over the articles of impeachment. It doesn't use the term bribery or extortion or any of the other crimes that have been alleged, including by the House Judiciary Committee. Was that a mistake? Well, actually, I asked Norm Eisen, who is the uh, counsel to the committee, about that specifically, because I think bribery is something that should be specified. He said it was subsumed in the abuse of power impeachment article. So I'm sure it will be raised tomorrow by many of us as part of uh, the makings of abuse of power. Majority Leader uh, McConnell said today that he's not an impartial juror in the Senate impeachment trial. What was your reaction to that? Well, I think, you know, we're going to have to call for a mistrial before it ever gets over to the Senate. Uh, My understanding is that each of the senators is going to have to take an oath that they will independently evaluate the evidence for impeachment and for conviction. It sounds like there's no interest in doing that whatsoever. And I would think Mitch McConnell should recuse himself. Have you talked to any House Republicans, uh, any of the ones who whose votes might have been possible for impeachment at one point, whether... Uh, Congressman from Florida or, or Will Hurd from Texas. Uh, it, have you spoken to any of them about, about their thoughts? Well, I have spoken to a couple of members, not the two that you identified. And, you know, they look at it from a re-election perspective. When 80% of the Republicans uh, do not support impeachment, uh, they would be hollowing out their base of support. So, you know, a decision is being made here not based on the Constitution, but based on re-election for many of my colleagues. You, you obviously think that this is a very clear and shut case. Uh, polls indicate uh, that it's, the country's divided at the, very, at the very best for your case. It's, there's also some reason to believe that polls might be slipping a little bit uh, among independents. But, but be that as it may, uh, why do you think there isn't this stampede in the, among the public and public opinion to agree with you that the president should, at the very least, be impeached? 
So it's messy for the American people. They have you know, their lives to lead. They've got to put food on the table. They've got to go do their jobs. And they find all of this way too messy. Uh, what should be compelling, though, is the fact that 700 historians and 500 legal scholars have all opined that, in fact, uh, the grounds for impeachment are clear, even with the fact that the president has withheld those who could be uh, persons of um, information that would be relevant to this. No document from the State Department or from the Department of Defense has been forthcoming. I mean, we have been able to piece this together on Kurt Volker's text messages and one email from Ambassador Sondland. Uh, There has been a concerted effort to obstruct this investigation by the president. And then you have to ask the question, if you're so innocent, Mr. President, why wouldn't you cooperate with this investigation? Democratic Congresswoman Jackie Speer, California, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jake. Can you ever have a fair impeachment trial if some members of the jury have already said publicly that they're biased? Stay with us. with the breaking news, Democrats and Republicans in the House battling over final rules for the debate during tomorrow's impeachment vote as both sides also fight over whether witnesses will appear at an eventual Senate trial come January. Joining me now to discuss constitutional lawyer Ross Garber and former Justice Department official uh, Elliot Williams. Ross, let me start with you. Uh, bottom line, and you're, you're no MAGA hat wearing Trump supporter, but bottom line, you don't think the Democrats have made the case effectively. Yeah, they haven't. And, I, and I've been critical of that all along. They have not sold the public on impeachment. You've had constitutional scholars who've done a great job of talking about the Constitution. You've got lawyers who've done a great job of lawyering. What you haven't had is a sales pitch to the public. Now, I'll say during the Rules Committee uh, hearing today, I think Representative Raskin actually did a decent job of sort of summarizing the case, probably the best I've seen. But as we've seen from public opinion polls, the public hasn't been sold since the beginning of this process. And that's key in an impeachment. I think part of the problem is this is what happens uh, when you have an impeachment trial in the age of Twitter and Instagram. People want viral videos and explosive, splashy moments. And if you just look at the facts, Jake, of... Uh, the transcript of the call, the president's conduct, the president's conduct with respect to Mayor Giuliani, and on down, there's a factual record that establishes that the president violated his oath of office. Now, again, it's dry. Uh, Congressman Raskin is a constitutional law professor, and so he's not going to appear to be a splashy individual that's going to sell to the public. But that's, I think, what what we're confronting here. It's just we are in a different media and news information, um, news gathering uh, uh, climate than, than I think the 19, even the 1990s were. The chairman, I'm sorry, the ranking Republican on the House Judiciary Committee, uh, Congressman Collins of Georgia, he's made the point that the Democrats uh, are just on this timetable, uh, the calendar and the clock, and they've been slaves to that. They want to get this done as quickly as possible. And that has undermined their case in terms of going to court uh, to force the White House to uh, release documents and witnesses in terms of getting other witnesses. Do you agree with that? Is that is that your main contention with how they've done it? No, I, I think sort of in a prototypical impeachment, it should be something that just shocks the conscience, that the public sees it and says, holy cow, this public official can't continue to serve for another day. That's that's the prototype. So I don't think an impeachment needs to or should go on for a long time. Having said that, you know, these are issues that it may be taking a while for the public to sort of wrap their heads around or it's not there. I mean, it's, it's, I think, one of the two. Either the case isn't there or the Democrats just haven't done enough to build the case. 
And, and I think that's, that, that's what it boils down to. Elliot, uh, Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, making the same basic argument uh, about how Democrats really didn't exhaust this uh, before voting to impeach tomorrow. Take a listen. Chairman Adam Schiff and House Democrats actively decided not to go to court and pursue potentially useful witnesses because they didn't want to wait for due process. So now the Senate Democratic leader would apparently like our chamber to do House Democrats' homework for them. He wants to volunteer the Senate's time and energy on a fishing expedition. Elliot, your response? Uh, He's as good an actor as he is a politician, Jake. Um, Honestly, this is all theater. And somehow uh, the majority leader's um, sudden um, belief in process. What would be different? And that's the question that ought to be asked the majority leader. If this had played out, would he suddenly, uh, had this gone through the court, suddenly have decided that all these witnesses need to appear in the Senate or that the House, that the House's process was was, uh, properly conducted? It's, you know, he's playing a role and he's doing it quite effectively. I would like to point out that it is worth noting Rick Gates, the president's deputy campaign manager in 2016, was sentenced today uh, to 45 days in jail, three years probation. Gates is one of six of President Trump's associates convicted of federal crimes. The president, of course, that Republicans say cares deeply about corruption. Uh, Ross Garber, Elliot Williams, thank you so much for your time. Rudy Giuliani with nonstop admissions that are music to the ears of Democrats. That's next. We're back with our world lead. President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, told CNN today that the president is, quote, very supportive of his efforts to dig up dirt on the Bidens in Ukraine. And the two are on the same page, he says. But it is important to remember where Giuliani is getting much of his information in Ukraine from two former Ukrainian prosecutors who experts formerly and currently in the Trump administration have called not credible and corrupt. Here's how the former U.S. special envoy to Ukraine described one of these men, Yuri Lutsenko. I told Mr. Giuliani that in my view, the prosecutor general with whom he had been speaking, Mr. Lutsenko, was not credible and was acting in a self-serving capacity. And then there is this exchange with former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich, about a different Giuliani source, Viktor Shokin. In fact, uh, did Giuliani try to overturn a decision that you participated in to deny Shokin a visa? Yes, that is what I was told. And that denial was based on Mr. Shokin's corruption? Yes, that's true. As CNN Sarah Murray reports for us now, the list of Republicans questioning exactly what Mr. Giuliani is doing is growing. Rudy Giuliani is still running his own game of diplomacy, aiming to dig up dirt on Democrats in Ukraine. In a phone interview with CNN, Giuliani said President Trump was, quote, very supportive of his efforts in Ukraine. How much has Giuliani shared with you about his recent trip to Ukraine? No, not too much, but he's a very great crime fighter. He's a great person who loves our country, and he does this out of love. Believe me, he does it out of love. Giuliani stopped short of saying whether Trump directed him to go on his most recent trip to Kiev. But we're on the same page, Giuliani told CNN. Giuliani's comments back up a central argument for Democrats in favor of impeaching the president, that Trump and his personal attorney have pressured Ukraine to pursue investigations to benefit Trump politically. In his latest media blitz, Giuliani admitted to helping recall the former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich, a well-known anti-corruption advocate, saying he spoke with both Trump and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo about it. 
I believed that I needed Yovanovitch out of the way, Giuliani told The New Yorker. She was going to make the investigations difficult for everybody. You forced out Marie Yovanovitch. Of course I did. I didn't need her out of the way. I, I forced her out because she's corrupt. With an impeachment vote set for Wednesday, Giuliani still insisted to CNN, just in case you think we're on defense, we're not. But if this is Giuliani's attempt to play offense, both parties say he could be stirring up trouble. What I found most striking about uh, Giuliani's comments uh, was the admission, the confession, that they needed to push Ambassador Yovanovitch out of the way to because she was going to get in the way of these corrupt investigations that Giuliani was pushing. Extremely disturbing. And I think one of the, it argues again for slowing down, putting these guys under the threat of perjury, uh, under oath, and testify and find out what's all the things he was doing over there. Now, Pompeo has been asked repeatedly what he thinks of Giuliani's adventures in Ukraine. He has also repeatedly dodged the question. Jake. All right, Sarah Murray, thanks so much. I mean, this is just stunning. This is like if in the middle of the Clinton impeachment, you know, Bill Clinton was out dating on the town, you know, just like just <laughs> right. doing, just flaunting this. It's it's almost unbelievable. No, it is unbelievable. Rudy Giuliani had sort of been laying low and then kind of teasing this stuff on Twitter, apparently working on some documentary with a right-wing uh, network. And here he comes out at this point, essentially helping the Democrats' case, uh, the case they laid out, essentially saying that uh, the firing of Yovanovitch was sort of the, the, part, the first part of this a month-long season. And then here, here he is saying, essentially, yeah, the Democrats' uh, case here uh, was right in terms of what he was doing. So it's very bizarre. I think Democrats and Republicans are united in wanting Rudy Giuliani to go away. And I have to say, there's no evidence that Ambassador Yovanovitch is corrupt or has done anything wrong. None. No, there's none. Most of what Giuliani has been peddling has, have been conspiracy theories. He clearly needs better sources. But the reactions to this story this week, Giuliani's countless interviews, I think really distill the parallel universes that Republicans and Democrats are living in, one fact-based, one not. You know, when you have Rudy Giuliani having repeated contact with Litsenko um, and the former prosecutor generals in Ukraine and then coming back and talking to President Trump on the tarmac about it, you know, this is behavior that Republicans call simply pushing the envelope and behavior that enrages Democrats and makes them say this undercuts the defenses that you've put forth before this president throughout this entire impeachment process. One, that President Trump is concerned about corruption. He's clearly not when he's talking about Joe Biden with Rudy Giuliani. Um, and two, that, you know, this whole process uh, has not been um, that the president has not been directly implicated in this process and that he has not directly ordered Giuliani and Gordon Sondland and all these players to carry out this pressure scheme on Ukraine. And we had the, we had a piece yesterday uh, from Fred Pleitkin. The Kremlin loves what Rudy's doing and anti-corruption activists in Ukraine, heralded ones, respected ones, hate what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Zip it up, man. They never <laughs> listen to me, but like... They can't help themselves. I mean, the, the, the origination of this whole Ukraine storyline is like the day after the Mueller report comes on, he's out and he's got some heat off him. He's like, oh, you know what we should do? Talk to Ukraine about investigating political adversaries on the yeah. home front. That, I mean, they cannot help themselves. And, and again, the idea, I mean, this is a whole day is night and, and black is white defense. The idea that like crooks 
are the good guys and the good guys are the crooks. Yeah, I look, I mean, Giuliani is basically wearing a T-shirt that says, I'm guilty and I'm part of this conspiracy with the president. And Republicans are like, nothing to see here. So if you're a Democrat, you're like, what the heck? This is not a normal circumstance. And on the Kremlin front, of course they love this because this is confusing the entire argument of what corruption is and what corruption isn't. And Trump and Giuliani are helping them confuse that in their own environment. And then you also have these two uh, indicted Giuliani associates who were indicted for campaign finance violations, uh, funneling money uh, illegally to pro-Trump organizations. Yeah, and, and they have uh, wanted to talk here and essentially implicate uh, some of the players uh, in this. What I think this also suggests is that the president hasn't quite uh, damaged Hunter Biden and Joe Biden as much as he initially wanted to, right? He essentially likely wanted to knock him out of the primary process. Joe Biden seems to be doing okay at this point. So you see Rudy Giuliani in this president in this letter, for instance, really trying to advance more and more. In fact, Joe Biden's Biden doing better than he yeah. was probably at the beginning of the yeah. start of the impeachment process. Maybe a little unrelated, but still. Right. And, and Giuliani also told CNN today he and President Trump are, quote, on offense when it comes to digging on Democrats. What, what does that look like, offense? I can't even, I mean, if this is if this is the beginning of offense, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I think like the president, Giuliani under, knows the value of sucking up all the oxygen in the room and getting all the attention on, on him. All right, everyone stick around. We've got more to talk about new reaction from members of Congress to President Trump's scathing, interesting, unhinged, whatever you want to call it, letter to Nancy Pelosi. Stay with us. Be sure, be sure to tune in tomorrow for our special coverage of the major vote in the House to impeach President Trump. It starts at 8 a.m. Eastern. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jake Tapper. Tweet the show at the lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. See you bright and early tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.